Good morning, Teach Better family. My name is Katie Miglin, and I'm here with the amazing Joshua double underscore Stamper. And we are here to kickstart your day with Teach Better today, where we go live every single morning, Monday through Friday, on all of your streaming platforms. And I am so excited. We've got some great conversation, especially given the time of year. But we will be right back in just about 30 seconds. Good morning, good morning, Teach Better family. My name is Katie Miglin, and I am here with the amazing, talented, maybe cold because he's in Colorado, Joshua Stamper. Josh, how are you this morning? Awesome. How did you know I was cold, though? I mean, it's Colorado. Aren't you like in the state <laughs> of cold for like, I don't know, months? Katie, can I just riff with you real quick that I felt like I was being acclimated pretty quickly to the Colorado weather because I have Minnesota roots. I've been in winters before, although I've been in Texas, I was in Texas for like 15 years. I start taking a walk with my daughter. I bundle up, I've got my hat, my jacket, my vest, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, mom, I'm perfectly warm. This is great. Mm -hmm. Two people in a block were wearing shorts. I am not acclimated. No, <laughs> you are Texas. <laughs> I felt like an idiot with my bundled up body and they were in shorts yep okay i i do think that like okay anyone who lives like i feel like middle-ish of the country where you get the four seasons it is always funny like around here like specifically illinois we joke that we, when it hits like 50 degrees people start wearing shorts because it and it's so true like this past weekend we had decent weather and it was so funny to see the people who are like outside. Like I was like, it yeah. feels like a summer day. Like people are outside, people are out doing yard work, you know, oh. and it's like only you only see those things in people who have all four seasons because yeah. they get really excited. I mean, it's like can be negative 30 degrees or it can be 110 and you just never know. So, yeah, yeah I hate to break it to you, but. Yeah. You're like the people that Ray made fun of in California who were like fully bundled up and it was 60 degrees. I also live in California and when it was 60, I had a jacket on. I remember vividly as a child that occurring. So what was the temperature of said walk? I will, to my credit, there was still snow on the ground. It was melting. Okay. But I just want to put that out there as a visual because I think that helps my case but it was probably 50 degrees or maybe a high of in the forties, probably 50. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I would probably wear like a coat and have like gloves on hand just in case you never know. I felt very strong about my walking game and what I had on, but. And that's all that matters. You just needed I, to be comfortable. It's all that matters. I just realized that I'm not like these folks. <laughs> that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> Well, friends, we'd love to hear in the chat if you are team coat, team like shorts, like tell us where you fall. What is the temperature where you decide to make a wardrobe shift? 
maybe what's the temperature when you wear a coat versus not wearing a coat. Like we'd love to hear that because it is, it's very different based on what you're used to, what you're acclimated to, all that good stuff. Uh, but it's Monday, Josh. It is Monday. Many people are home today, I think. I'm pretty sure it's um, President's Day, three-day weekend. So yeah, are your kids... Maybe maybe a PD day for some folks? Yeah, that's right. I feel like that today is like a weird day for mm-hmm. a lot of schools. But Josh, do you have kids in your house today? Or is it too early to tell? I have kids in my house all the time, Katie. That's I just that is I have a, a full village of people in and out of my house. So yeah. That's true. I actually forget when my kids have off, it's just my two older ones. So like they have to, I just have to trust that they're telling me the, the correct thing <laughs> because otherwise there is no accountability whatsoever. And thank God I have two kids that uh, do what they're supposed to do. So yeah, we, I have kids that uh, are homeschooled. I have kids that are in public schools. So uh, yeah, I feel like I have no idea what day of the week it is and where my kids are supposed to be. So. That would be kind of confusing to like always have someone home because it would be hard to be like, wait, today is a day you're supposed to be leaving the house versus not. That's true. Well, today we have our whole crew home today because they have actually no school today and tomorrow is a PD day. So kids will be home for both days, which is I, you know, now that I'm in a different role, obviously I like seeing them more often, though it does create a little bit more chaos getting out of routines. But whether you are home today, sipping your morning coffee, or whether you're getting ready for work, we are glad that you decided to make us a part of your morning. Um, It is always like fun to kind of hear what days off happen this time of year, because this can be sometimes a longer period of time where people don't see, you know, a break. They don't have those days off. Some places get lucky and they might have a snow day, cold day, ice day. In California, I saw they had a a rain day a couple weeks ago. (laughs) So I guess that's a thing. I mean, at this point, whatever, you can put any weather ailment in front of it, right? And just have the day off. Yeah. And the calendars too, like they have makeup days. So I know here we've had a bunch of snow days. uh, So they're trying to figure out like on the calendar, where are they going to replace that? So I know that's a conversation for many districts. And as we know, Katie, a lot of educators have told us like, especially in January, there were some folks that are like, I haven't been in my classroom yet since (laughs) we came back from break. So it's, it's been crazy weather and it'll be interesting to see how the calendar falls in the spring for a lot of folks. Well, and we're still kind of in the thick of it. I know like we joked about like people out in shorts, but really I feel like February, March tend to be still kind of winter weather where there can still be some not so great days. So hopefully, um, you know, you're staying safe, staying warm, whatever. Or if you're down South, like, can you just post a lot more pictures of sunshine and like beaches? Cause that people like me really enjoy that. (laughs) So I need that this time of year for sure. You like living through those images on Instagram and whatnot. I do. I do. And here's what's funny is like, okay, so we live in the Midwest, you guys know, central Illinois, and we got, I think maybe total like three inches of snow so far, like knock on wood, I'm okay with it. But there we like, we don't get the pretty snow like you get, like you, you know, you'll send me gorgeous pictures, but we just get like the jury. That's it. So that's why I have to live vicariously through I'm choosing the beach versus you. So, yeah. No, I'm just going to keep sending you the photos of the beautiful white capped mountains. That's right. I enjoy looking at them. I just not really imagine <laughs> to be in that weather. So, but let's get into actually some like 
I don't think we call it meat and potatoes anymore, but I'm going to call it meat and potatoes. Let's actually get into some like good talks. We have a great topic for today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. All right, let's go. Welcome back to Teach Better Today. My name is Katie Miglin and I'm here with Joshua Stamper. And we were discussing, you know, weather and all things that come with this time of year. But we wanted to kind of dive into something that I feel like does get overlooked often, and that is new students, whether they are moving across, you know, states or whether they're just moving maybe in town. It is that time of year where we do struggle to figure out what to do with that new student that gets put on your roster. And I'm excited to get into this because I do think this is something that every teacher faces, regardless of how many years you've been teaching. It happens all over the country. Sometimes it happens more often than, you know, we would like and hope, but it is an important topic to discuss because I'm going to guess that in the last maybe month or so, you have had a new student, or maybe you are going to get a new student this semester and kind of navigating what to do to make them feel more welcome. So Josh, I would love to hear kind of what did your school do? I know you had more of a leadership role in your campus. Mm -hmm. So when you had new students come in, especially like this late in the year, I'm not talking yeah. like August, September, how did you guys navigate that? And what did you do for those students? Yeah, I thought for myself, it was a kind of a charge and one that I worked with my counselors very specifically about because I remember as a child, second grade, I mean, we moved all the time. We, we were not a military family, but we moved like one. And so I remember moving mid-year to a new campus and not knowing my teacher, not feeling like there was a relationship built or one that she really wanted to establish. The kids were weird. Like I didn't know them at all. I didn't have any connection with them. And so it was really hard. I, I had a terrible year um, that year because of that move and that shift. And I really didn't feel like anyone really tried to make a connection with me individually. And so for myself as administrator, I wanted to make sure that when our kids came in, that they, they started to feel that connection. So we bring them into the library first day as a group. Um, typically, you know, we'd have more than one student um, coming into our, our campus. And so, you know, consistently trying to find ways to, you know, get them connected with our, our student leadership group to walk them around the building, you know, ask them questions, trying to figure out, and it was peer to peer. So there was a little bit less pressure mm -hmm. um, or maybe anxiety with having an adult that they don't know. And, you know, just trying to connect them with different folks and counselors were great about, you know, trying to find a trusted adult for them. Um, that was one thing that we were really passionate about as a campus. And then also trying to find groups for them to be connected with outside of the school day. So, you know, are there clubs that you're interested in? Are there sports? Are there, you know, other things that you can find your people <laughs> like, because you're probably not going to find that in the classroom. So some of the extracurricular things and uh, counselors were great about like building a schedule too, and trying to find a place in uh, for them. So like, for instance, if we had full classrooms, you know, talking with the teacher, like, Hey, they love theater. 
and this would be a great connecting point for them. Would you be willing to take this kid into your class? And so advocating for that child to be in places that they want to be in. And so, yeah, I think all of those, even launch too, like trying to find an opportunity for them to like, hey, is there anyone that you see that you've had class with and you've had a conversation with? And if not, having a designated place with those leaders that, that walked them around the campus earlier to sit with them as a starting point, as they got kind of accustomed to their setting and, and making those connections with other people. I love that you hit on all of the things that can happen in a student's day. It's not just the classroom and the classroom teacher. It's not, you know, just having their social like group. It's all of the things that a student will experience from the second they walk in the door until really kind of even after school, you know, what kind of clubs can we connect them with? What are some things that are interesting to them? Because you know, sometimes it's overlooked, especially those secondary students, their class schedule may not lend them to students that have similar personalities. You know, it's eight to nine classes a day, but that's a lot of movement. It's hard to make the connection. So if you can plug them in to an extracurricular or if you can club them, uh, plug them into some things that are really like exciting them or make them, you know, kind of connected a little bit more helps their transition into the day. But I did like that you said that you kind of touched in with, the, you know, touch base with them several times. So like making sure they were settled in the morning, but then also like how's lunch? Do they need help navigating that? Mm-hmm. Pointing out some students that can be helpful so that it's not this clearly is a new student because Mr. Stamper is walking them around the cafeteria. You know, it's right. it's making that so that they can kind of blend in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Josh, I will say one of the things I struggled with the most as an educator, because I knew all of the things to think about. I struggled with, and you can tell me your perspective as a student who moved a lot. If a student walks in, let's say, like, we're going to say middle school, because obviously that's the most awkward time of their lives. Would they rather be introduced to the class or would they rather kind of like come in under the radar? Because I never knew what to do. I felt like one day I would do it one way and it would go poorly. The next day I would flip it just as bad. And I never knew like what makes them feel more welcome. Well, I think having that conversation right when they walk in the door of like, hey, do you feel comfortable being announced to the class? Because you're right, everyone's a little bit different, right? Uh, Some people are wallflowers, they don't want the attention and others are extroverts and they want everybody's attention immediately. And so Mm -hmm. um, having that conversation, I think, you know, having relationship building activities built into your lesson helps quite a bit. Like we, as you know, Katie, we're very passionate about trying to find ways for our teachers to have these brain breaks and things where they would have touch points with their kids beyond the curriculum and getting to know them as individuals and people, but then also allowing that connection peer to peer. And so, you know, having that already built in, I think helped our students that were coming in from other campuses or other states to be able to make those connection points. And it was natural. It wasn't something that was forced upon them um, and allow the teacher to get to know them a little bit better and if you had that implemented through the entire school year versus just the first two weeks, then I think that's easier to take someone from the outside and, and bring them in. And as you know, in middle school, like schedules change all the time. <laughs> so even if it's not a new kid to the campus, it is potentially a new kid to that classroom. And they still have Absolutely. the same issues as someone moving in of trying to you know, find their place in a new environment. That's such a good point that it, it may not be a big change for the student's life, but it could just be a, a simple change that happened in their day. We, Where I'm um, located, there's two districts that are completely different. And so we see a lot of movement back and forth between the two mm-hmm. districts. 
And one of the things that I, I always grew to appreciate was when we would have a connection in the other district, reach out and say, hey, this student is coming from my building or my campus. And here are some things that, you know, they like, or here are some interests they have. And, and it doesn't always have to be the bad stuff. It doesn't have to be, you know, that they got in fights all the time. It can be some positives, but just letting an adult know in our building to keep an eye on that student, to connect with them, like, hey, I talked to this teacher from your old school. They said to tell you hello, just to make them more comfortable. So even if you're in an area that maybe there's a lot of um, students going back and forth between the different buildings or different districts, any way that you can kind of initiate some of those relationships early on to let them know that you are there for them, that just even introducing yourself, I think those are all really good points. I think it's also sometimes we forget that, okay, so we, we've talked a lot about the relationship piece. Coming in and being in the middle of a unit, of a chapter, of whatever, curriculum-wise, what do you recommend for teachers to do for the curriculum? Like a student comes in mm -hmm. and there's a test next week. What what do you do? <laughs> well, they're not taking that test, for one. Because <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a terrible practice uh, for assessing. But I do think the assessment process is needed. So a lot of times what would happen is our counselors you know, they would lean on the parents for all of the things you're talking about, you know, like, you know, if it's a student that is has a second language and, you know, mm -hmm. needs additional resources or whatnot. So, um, or special education, whatnot. Uh, so then we would actually have our team lead or our instructional coach come in and assess the student as to where they were. So that way we had an appropriate schedule for them at middle mm -hmm. school. So, you know, for instance, if, we just stuck them in a, a regular ed, you know, math class, mm -hmm. and their skill is much higher. Obviously, they're going to be bored. There might be some behaviors that go with that. They feel out of place, whatnot. So we wanted to make sure that our, the schedule reflected their mastery. Mm -hmm. So um, it was very important that the first couple of days that we assess them to know where they best fit. So mm -hmm. that was very intentional and trying to allow that balance, right, to have them be assessed but at the same time get into their classrooms, make those relationships, figure out where the classroom is, where their locker was, you know, all of those logistical pieces, um, but still understanding that it's a soft schedule. It's not forever and making sure that that's communicated to the parents and making sure that's communicated to the kid that this is where you're going to be for the first couple of days until we can really truly get a, a grasp of who you are as a, as a person mm -hmm. to make sure that we have the, the schedule to reflect on. Yeah, I, I, that is so such a good point to like bring up of the idea of that maybe their skills don't align with whatever that class has. Um, I know when a student would come in, I taught math. And so, you know, there's three levels of math within the grade level that I taught and I didn't yeah. always teach them. And it was always kind of tricky to navigate like, well, if they're they're not placed in my correct level, are they going to be OK with changing a schedule again to then go to a new class and learn new students because it could take a few days to figure out yeah. where they're at. It could take even a week. And so I did for right or wrong, always just immediately immerse them in the curriculum. I was, you know, if they had, if students had a packet, if they were working on a study guide, whatever it was, I immediately gave it to them. And, but I always said, this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter right now, yeah. but I want you to at least feel like you can be a part of the conversation at your table because I never wanted a student to sit down and like twiddle their thumbs for 45 minutes while the rest sure. of their peers. And sometimes I found students really liked that distracted distraction. You know, they were like, oh, I recognize this from my old school. I can do some of this. And it was a great way for them to like kind of focus 
and ignore all of their nerves and anxieties about being in a new school. And yeah. so I would encourage you just to kind of like get them not in for any reason other than just kind of give them a, a focus, give them something to do for that time where they can feel like normal and regular and just a part of yeah. the class for a short period of time. Because sometimes I think we as educators want to make them feel like they don't need to do anything yet. You know, we kind of like keep them isolated to almost like almost like an incubator, right? Like we don't need you to do this work. We'll, we'll have you jump in the next section or I'll work with you one on one. But sometimes I think students just don't want to feel a part of the group. And so let them dive in and help them, you know, articulate here are my strengths, here are th some things I haven't covered yet and work with them as that unfolds. But don't feel like you always have to keep them on the sidelines, like throw them into the game every once in a while and see what happens. Yeah, for sure. As long as you're there to support them and yeah. like you said, are communicating exactly the expectation to say, I want you to try this. It's not going to mm -hmm. hurt you as far as a grade. Because I know a lot of students, that's the first thing that comes up is like, is this going to affect my grade? So yep. uh, just allowing them to be normal. That's what they want. They just want to be like everybody else and, and to fit in. So yeah, yep. I think that's wonderful. Josh, this has been such a good conversation, especially given this time of year where it's, it is kind of like the second half, you know, it's harder to figure out like what to do with new students, knowing you only have a few months, but just love on them, treat them like all the other students in your class and help them, you know, navigate this new sense of community. It'd be like if you got a new job tomorrow and are thrown into a whole new work environment, it's got to be stressful. So just continue to lean on them. But if you have a student that comes your way and you want to problem solve what to do or how to help them, you always can reach out to us. You can um, shoot us an email or DM us. We would love to kind of walk alongside you as you figure that out. But Josh, thanks so much for joining us this morning. It's been a good conversation. It's been way too long since we've been on together. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, it's been so wonderful. I don't remember the last time we were live together. It's been a minute. So I'm glad they let yeah. us They let us <laughs> record this together. I, I think we just told them that was going to happen. <laughs> Pretty sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Whether you have the rest of the day off and you get to go relax, enjoy, read a good book, or I guess stay bundled up if you live somewhere cold, or whether you're headed into a school today, we hope you have a wonderful Monday. And as always, you can reach out to us or follow up with us on our Teach Better podcast, as you can check out this episode as well as all the other episodes. Josh, thanks so much for joining us and everybody have a great day. Hey, Teach Better community. Thank you so much for joining the Teach Better Today morning show every single weekday at 7 a.m. Eastern. We have so many resources for you outside of this live stream at teachbetter.com, including blogs, podcasts, and professional development that will bring our team to your school. Wherever you are listening from this morning, please make sure you are sharing and celebrating the incredible educators in this world. And hey, if you are listening over on a podcast to Teach Better Talk, we would love a five-star review. <laughs> the comments are always so entertaining. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow.